Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. The winter meetings are in full whatever down in beautiful Nashville. And uh, with me to talk baseball is baseball expert David Brown. David, how are you? I'm good, Andy. What's up, Pointless Exercisers? Pointless Exercisers. I think that's how they refer to themselves. Well, we have a third co-host. Yeah, I'm being attacked by one of my herd of dogs. You know the dog from Anchorman because you look just like him. <laughs> Baxter. Bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. No, all right, he's not in Milwaukee. So the, uh, have you ever been to the beautiful uh, Opryland Hotel? Was that one of the winter meetings oh, yeah. you went to? I don't think I got sick there, but uh, people always are concerned with catching uh, Legionnaire's disease or something <laughs> in the air. Uh, I have. It's uh, it's sort of like uh, you know Disneyland meets Grand Ole Opry, sort of with no rides. It's a place. It's a mood. It's a vibe. It's spacious, correct? It's big. Yeah. Like six restaurants, and it's like old Chicago, but bigger. Yeah, because yeah, I all I know I always know it's there when I see writers and reporters complaining about how big the hotel is. What else? Is- what else are they going to do but complain? Everything is a complaint. I might accidentally get exercise, having to go from one room to the next. That's true. That is a good thing if you're into that. Um, but if you saw the athletic did like a an agent survey, and they were at, one of the questions was, "Is the are the winter meetings worth it?" And uh, it was they got a mixed reaction. There was a couple who were like, "We could do all this shit on Zoom." We do not need to yeah. go to Nashville and hang out in you know, a two-and-a-half-star resort. That's like, well, boo-hoo-hoo. I mean, the reason you put everybody together... Well, now, the winter meetings are... Like, the, the part that we're... Where the casual baseball fan is interested in is just a small part of the winter meetings, right? Right. Like, all the minor league affiliates are there, and there's all these vendors, and that's where some of the affiliates are figuring out their wacky promotions, how they're going to, you know... Like you can you can literally order your mascot your literal mascot costume at the thing. I know because when I I worked uh, for the fabulous Floyd Snappers, they were I was being regaled with tales of their drunken time at uh, the winter meetings the year before, and I was asking why they were there, and they explained that there's all that stuff. A lot of guys are there looking for jobs. Right. I would say the the exercise is not a hundred percent efficient, but there are lots of things uh, that you just mentioned that go on, that function better, that happen better when people, at least some of them, are together in person. Yeah. So it does make sense to kind of uh, glom it all together. And, um, it, you know, it does probably get some teams talking and maybe, uh, you know, you get a little alcohol in you and you're more willing to do a trade. Uh, seriously, I'm sure that happens. Yeah. So from that standpoint, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. It's not totally useless. It's probably bloated. But uh, it's it's better than not having them. I would yes. In I think in the <clears throat> sometime in the 40s, the and it wasn't at winter meetings because I don't think they existed at the time. But <clears throat> didn't the GMs of the Yankees and Red Sox get shit faced, and they traded Ted Williams for Joe DiMaggio? That's a and story. They, That's and they woke up and went, "Oh shit! <laughs> All right, we're not doing that." <laughs> Well, we didn't have social media or instant whatever, so uh, no harm. Just uh, sleep it off. Yeah, John Heyman would have tra- 
hastily tweeted it out as Yanks get Ned Williams. And then everybody would have freaked <laughs> out. And then it wouldn't have happened. I hope right. we get an arson judge moment this year. That was the <laughs> by far the highlight of of it last year. Great tweet. Spelled the name wrong and got, got the t- got the team. Arson judge, and then uh, to put it out, somebody falls into the fountain. Yeah, I was watching a little of the coverage this morning, and they were replaying the guy falling into the fountain over and over again. <laughs> the hi- the highlight of of many winter meetings is that. I Dude. think I was. I did not see that happen, but that might have been one that I was at. So that certainly. And uh, there was also Jim Tracy fainting in the lobby. I think it was the same winter meetings. And so things sometimes happen like that. Yikes! Was that uh, was that was he with the Dodgers? The uh, yes. Somebody handed him his pay stub. <laughs> wow! <laughs> government do take a bite, don't you? Oh, there goes Jim. <clears throat> Uh, the uh, the obsessive watch, of course, is uh, everyone waiting with bated breath to find out where Shohei Otani is going to sign. And I don't know why it's a big deal where, if he gets Shohei or not. It's it's not like he's the, the greatest free agent that's ever been available. <laughs> oh, no, that's right. He is. Um, and it is, it's, it's odd, right, because... Part of his incredible value is that you get an ace pitcher and a guy who, you know, uh, can hit 40 home runs, but not next year. No. Next year you only bit. get you only, you have to settle for just the guy who could put up MVP numbers on offense, right? And have to wait. And there was all this. What does this do to his value? Did it do anything to his value? It doesn't seem to have. I mean, we don't have the. Uh the numbers yet, but the talk is, uh, well, maybe it won't be $500 million, but six. That's so right. it's not go, less. It go up instead of go down. <laughs> um, show, hey, show us your scar. Um, and you and I have talked more than I've heard anyone else talk about the fact that you're not if you're going to sign him to a 10-year contract, he's not going to be a pitcher and a hitter for 10 years. No. He can't phys- nobody can physically do that. It's amazing that he does it now. And at some point, he's going to have to pick. And he's still going to be really good. I mean, it's, it's probably not a coincidence that this is going to be his second Tommy John in uh, four years or whatever. Um, it's probably not a coincidence that you know, he's a, he's, he, plays, he, he does so much. I mean, I, I think that's probably why it's happened. Because he is a hitter and a pitcher. There's a lot of stress on the body. You know, end of, end of sermon. There's a uh, there's a documentary on him on ESPN Plus that is it's well done it's 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 kind of dull and I think part of it part of the reason why it's kind of dull is the main guy in it who is charismatic is not you're reading what he says because he's not speaking unless he's speaking Japanese but there's one really interesting part of it there's several interesting parts like um, the, he signed with the uh, with the ham fighters. <laughs> I had, my wife was done. I had to explain to her. Yeah, they're not actually ham fighters. They're just the fighters. Right. Nippon ham. Or the, either the owner or the sponsor of the team, whatever. But Nobody wants to fight ham. It's a losing proposition. You know, he's, he's been a huge free agent before, and it was back when he was a high school kid picking his team. And the reason he picked the fighters was they were going to let him do both. 
and they have the manager from there. I guess is also the Japanese national team manager, and um, he was saying that they they didn't think he would be able to do it long term, but a they'd get him, and b they just let him do it as long as he could, and he just never wasn't able to do it. So he just kept they just kept letting him do it, and they also knew they'd only have him for five years because he was so good he was going to be gone. Right. Um, but so that was interesting. But then they talked to Joe Madden. And um, Joe said that they called Shohei in before his first. Um, it was his, his Joe's first year. Shohei had had Tommy John the year before, so he was only a hitter. So this was the next, second year was going to be Shohei's first year as a two-way player. Right. And Joe and Perry Manation brought Shohei in to tell him that the, the limits are off. We're not gonna, you know. We're not going to give you mandatory days off, and we're not going to do it. They thought this was, like, really great news for him. Like, he was going to be very excited. Oh. He took it, and they didn't know this until, like, in the documentary, it kind of goes back and forth chronologically. He took it as, they don't think I can do this. They're going to take the limits off so I can prove I can't, and they're going to make me pick one or the other. And Joe, so he says that, and then they hand Joe an iPad, and Joe is watching him say it. And he's like, holy shit, that's not at all. We thought, he goes, and that's a... It's a window into how it, with different cultures and not being able to speak, you know, fluently to him in his language, and he can't speak. He's, right. he's pretty good with English, but he's very cautious about it. Right. He's like, we completely miscommunicated that. He said, but you know what? It worked because Shohei said it pissed him off, and he was going to prove to them that he could do both. Right. And Joe's like, well, this is, inadvertently it worked. I think uh, it's a. There's a cultural thing and a language thing happening there, but I also think. That, that, that sounds like something that could happen even... I could see him taking that even if everybody spoke the same language. I just think yeah. some guys are, always have that chip on their shoulder like, uh, you know, I'm. everybody doesn't think I can do this, and that is my huge motivation for trying. Yeah. I think that is, that's something that he probably shares with lots of other athletes. I mean, he's, you know, kind of a, a unicorn, as we know, but still that kind of mindset of uh, even inventing people to prove you wrong you know, uh, as motivation, that's not unusual. So there's a little bit of that going on as well. I think. I was, I was wondering if they were going to get into it, and they didn't. Um, it's probably because I make a bigger deal out of it than anybody else. But um, you know, for Joe, obviously taking the Rays to the World Series was an amazing feat. Winning the World Series with the Cubs was an amazing feat. That's the biggest thing he accomplished with the Angels is something that Shohei will take advantage of for the rest of his career. Was yeah. When they Joe basically just deciding that when they went to a universal DH, that that meant Shohei could DH and pitch, and he was not he was treated as two different guys. And the reason right. Joe thought that was in the All Star game the year before, that's what they did, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the rule. And Joe just basically kept acting like that was the rule. And Major League Baseball was like, you know what, it probably should be the rule because then Shohei will get to bat a lot more and we can sell more tickets. And right. they went up, fine. And that's the rule now. The pitcher and the DH are decoupled. And so you can, you can take Shohei out as a pitcher, and he gets to stay in as a DH. You could, if you wanted to, for whatever reason, you could do the opposite. He could continue to pitch, and you could pinch hit for the DH. Yeah, you um, can sort of argue that, I mean, I, it's selling him a little short, but that Joe was along for the ride for those other accomplishments. But this is something that he, you know, he owns more than anybody yeah, else. That's a good is, point, I think, to... 
that should go in the, the book you're writing about Joe, I'm sure. Yep. I'm writing the book of Joe 2. T-O-O. <laughs> this is a companion to the one that Joe wrote. Or as told to Tom Verducci. Right. Um, is this a thing where the... The, obviously, the high end of the market has to wait. Or do they? It's almost like Shohei is such a huge ticket item He's that it's like thing. it's like in a different showroom than everybody else. Yeah. Like, you have to literally leave the place you're shopping to go to the Shohei store. So maybe they just, maybe it can just happen in a vacuum. Although, if you're the Dodgers, I think you would like to know are we spending $600 million on Shohei or not? Because then that will help us figure out how much we're spending on other guys. Before the meeting started, I would have said I was getting the feeling that Shohei wanted it done soon. He wanted it over. He didn't want the circus. We've uh, People out there, I'm sure, read stories about how he doesn't want leaks, no snitches. And, you know, he wants it over with and you know, his privacy and he doesn't want it to become a, a huge circus. That, to me would indicate, you know, sooner rather than later. Once the uh, meeting started, you start to hear Heyman and other people on the ground saying, well, it's probably not going to happen this week. It's probably going to go into next week. And they, they kind of couple it with uh, Yamamoto, the free agent from Japan, the pitcher coming over. Um, but I think it's it, those guys are sort of in their, like you said, their own zone. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's going to be about Shohei deciding, you know, well, do I want to move out of Los Angeles, basically, or maybe go to Toronto or something like that? And, you know, it would be, I don't know, is it, a, is it a huge change anymore? Or does it, uh, you know, does he want to kind of stay similar in terms of uh, the things that he knows, you know, where he lives and all that, not having it change? And I think the money is going to be whatever he wants. Yeah. It's a matter of, well, am I, you know, if I go to Toronto, are they going to be in a position to win a World Series or get close enough every year that we can compete for it. Because I think that's that's what he wants. Yeah. He wants the freedom to do, to, to pitch and hit and whatever and have that run its course. But he wants to do what the Angels couldn't, and that's at least sniff the playoffs and try and win the World Series. So, yeah. um, I don't know how long it would take him to figure that out. I, I don't think it would take that long once he, he puts his mind to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you would think yeah, that the Dodgers would be a pretty easy decision for him given that I would think if he's afraid of anything, it's going to a team that doesn't make the playoffs. Right. You know, he's been through that with the Angels. He doesn't want to do that anymore. And the you know, Dodgers have won the division like, what, nine out of the last ten years? And the year they didn't, they only won 106 games. Right. I um, think it's nine out of the last eight years. It just seems like it always happens. Yeah. It's never not happening. And then if you're the Cubs and you have your Jed has his little nose pressed up against the window looking in, you he might look at, well, you guys had a World Series team, and a couple of years later you just tore it all up. And he could make, you know, Jed can make the case why they did it, but it's like, I need to go somewhere where we're going to compete every year. I'm not, I'm not going through your little pause to clear out your salary and start over. Right. So that, that can't help. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you believe, uh, and I don't, there's no reason for off the top of my head to not believe it, but that Shohei, the Cubs were second, that they were the runners-up for him when he came to the United States in the first place? That was, that's the story. Yeah. Does, does that matter? Is I can believe true? it because of the... Yeah, I don't know. He kind of almost saw himself there, and now he's kind of looking yeah. at it like, "Ooh, that would be fun." It makes sense, right? Because of the timing. I mean, they were they were good, and there was Theo to charm him. Um, you know, he would think so. I was. I feel like for baseball in general, but also for Shohei, that he should get off the West Coast. He should go, you know. It's funny, he's still kind of a myth. Right. And it's for no better reason than most of the games he plays in start at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central, or 9.30, whatever it is. And everybody knows he's really good, and you've seen bits and pieces, and when he plays your favorite team, you watch. If he manages to pitch against your team in the one, you know, one, or, the one or two series they play. Um, it's It's weird, right, that we've got this incredible multi-generational talent and I can't tell you how many times I've seen him just sat down and watched him play so I think he needs to go you know and uh, the Cubs they parked right there in the middle of the country and everybody it's convenient for everybody time-wise and then you get the Friday afternoon you know showcase everybody can just take off work and go see show it seems pretty easy I'll uh uh I can help him pack if he wants we're going to sound like uh, East Coast bias apologists, though. People on the West Coast don't like it when we say things like that about... Yeah, well, they had it for zone. six years, right? It's our turn. Share. It's our when turn. are you going to share Shohei? That's right. So it'll be interesting. I guess one guy uh, I, he's not holding up is Cody Bellinger, because I just assume that we're going through the normal Scott Boris thing where yeah. they're not even going to seriously talk about Cody until... The market has st- most of the guys have fallen off, and then Scott is waiting for the waiting for the disgruntled owner who has money burning out a hole in his pocket because he didn't get the guys he wanted. Right. And then Scott shoves the GM aside and sits down with the owner, and 20 minutes later, you know, Cody's got a huge contract. I, I haven't like done a like a diagnostic look at Boris's clients through the years and how all this ended up. It does seem like he's still capable of sticking the landing on these adventures, but it also seems like it's it gets a little hairier each time and yeah. comes uh, closer and closer to making mistakes. Uh, that's just my impression. I'm not sure if that's true, but it seems like that. Well, it's risky. I mean, he so far he's the music has stopped. There's always been a chair open. Right. Um, but it doesn't always mean. And then Cody carries bigger risks than a lot of the, at least perceived risks. Then usually he has like the the best or the second best player. Has he ever had a guy who had has had the really great years that Cody has had, but with those two and a half awful 
years. Like, not bad, but terrible. Like, unplayably awful. That's got to scare spe- teams. With the specter of, does he have some kind of shoulder issue that's going to make it so he can't be a great player anymore? Yeah. Not just that something that's wrong now, but something that will... And he still, I mean, last year, uh, that didn't seem to be an issue, but at the same time, he's got those weird... Uh, how hard he hit the ball stats that aren't very good, but he still produced anyway. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what to make of him. And I, you know, I'm an optimistic person. I don't have an ax to grind. I want him to get his money. I want him to hit well. But I'm kind of curious to see, well, what is he going to look like next year? I mean, he's a, he's a really talented player. When he's healthy like he was last year, he could pretty much do everything. But you do have to worry that he's one ridiculous high five away from uh-oh, I'm about to be bad for two years while my shoulder heals again. Right. Um, the, and you're right about the, the bad, the, you know, it was a low exit velocity. And Tom Loxus and I talked about it on each other's podcasts as the year went on. It got better in the second half of the season. He hit the ball more consistently hard. Um, one thing that he one thing that he very obviously did, which would have brought down his overall exit velocity, but not to a huge extent, was he developed a really good two-strike approach where he basically takes the stride out, and he cut his strikeouts like in half. He only struck right. out 87 times last year. And there literally were some times he was just, it looked like he was playing pickleball. He was just trying to catch the ball on his bat and dump it into the outfield. And he only hit that ball 80 miles an hour. You know, and he could still hit one one fourteen into the seats, but I don't know that he, over the course of a season, he did not like light up the exit velocity chart, right. and that that'll scare some some of the nerds will look at that and be like, you know, this is a bad sign, and they could very well be right. Um, it is a good. Uh, I do like what you said though about how he. Uh, it sounds like he adjusted for that, and yeah. cutting down your strikeouts is a great thing. That's another thing nerds would like. Yep. Um, you know, making those adjustments, it shows a guy who's a hard worker and a talented player and blah, 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 and all that stuff. So from that standpoint, I wouldn't worry too much about giving nope. him 100 200 or whatever it's going to cost. Yeah, you almost uh, wonder if he's like he's developed a new skill that will help mitigate that. Yeah, you could. I could see that. I could see that going forward for him. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, you know, he was every bit as good as advertised in center. And then, thanks to the Cubs' inability to find a first baseman, he also got to show off what a good first baseman is. It was like the perfect showcase season for him. He got to he got to do everything. He got to tick every box that every potential team wanted to see. And, you know, we talk about Boris, and that's this is one that he nailed quite well. Yep. Yeah, and I get a lot of crap. I still think I, the Cubs had more leverage last year than they used. I, people are like, oh, you're nuts. Yeah. Boris wouldn't have done that. I still think you could have got, the Cubs could have got a two-year deal with Cody last year. Basically said, look, we're going to take a big risk and we're going to help him. We're going to put a lot of work in. We need more than one year out of him. We only need two. He's going to be 28 when he's a free agent instead of 27. He's yeah. still going to be able to cash in and get big money, but we're not going to, we can't invest all this time and all this stuff in a guy and that was one. That was, I was making that case early, like as they signed him, thinking, "What if it takes him until the second half of the year before he's good? Then you really only got him for a, you. You suffered through these struggles, but he didn't really have any struggles. He was right. good from the very b- 
beginning of the season. But I still think that they... He, he, we're talking about ticking boxes. The Cubs ticked them all for him, too. He had a guaranteed spot for him in center field. He was going to play every day. He wasn't going to be... If he slumped, he wasn't going to lose his spot in the lineup and kind of screw himself. They had two of his old hitting coaches from the Dodgers. He basically lived right down the street from the from Sloan Park. So he And he started working out like the day he signed. And there was all right. that stuff. And it's like, yes, of course, he's not going to sign a four- or five-year deal with you. And you would have been scared to sign. I think the only reason they signed him for a year is they really weren't convinced it was going to work. They didn't want to get mm-hmm. stuck with him for a second year. I don't think it's because they the that he wouldn't have been willing to do it. I think they were like, eh, if this doesn't work, we can just get away from it in a year. Well, great. Now you did get away from it in a year. And you're gonna have you have a huge hole right in the middle of your lineup that you have to fill just to be it as good nice as you were last. Not year. have to worry about that. It's uh, not bringing Bellinger back. There's all kinds of dominoes that fall from that that are that are good unless you have a plan B in place. And it's uh, the Cubs are really liable to have shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, you know, and they there are some fans like they will, you know they they only won one game less than the Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks went to the World Series. Look how close they are. It's like, or you can look at it this way and say, in at the beginning of the at the beginning of the season last year, everybody knew the Mets, the Cardinals, and the Padres were going to the playoffs. And then you also you knew the Dodgers were going to the playoffs. And you knew the Braves were going to the playoffs. Everybody was playing for one spot. Well, it turns out three of those teams didn't go, and you still didn't go. What are the odds all three of those teams are going to be bad again next year? You're gonna be. You could be better and not go to the playoffs. So. Yeah, the fan, the, the hypothetical or real fan that you're talking about, is making the case that the teams want to. That uh, you know, oh, everybody's closer with the uh, uh, with the expanded playoffs and blah blah blah. But really, you know, you're, the Cubs couldn't take. It's not like the Cubs took advantage of it. No, they were just they just seemed closer to the playoffs. They weren't. You know, if they had gone that extra whatever to sign a free agent or make a trade or improve the team or whatever, then they would have been in the playoffs and maybe they could have been a Diamondbacks. But they weren't. And it's uh, no. it's a, the pseudo-competing is, is something that all teams, not all teams, but most teams seem to be using as an excuse yes. to spend more money. And that was the whole, that's the whole point of the expansion. Well, owners wanted the playoffs expanded for two reasons. Number one, they love playoff TV money. They love it. Mm. They can't get enough of it. And it allows them to sell the idea that teams are in contention more than they really are. Right. Um, Without having to put any capital into it. Right. You don't have any to, more capital. You don't have to shoot for a 95-win team to make the playoffs. You can shoot for an 85-win team and make the playoffs, which means you don't have to spend as much money on your team. Right. And then the, the people are like, well, the Cubs were close. Well, maybe they shouldn't have lost six out of the seven games they played to the Diamondbacks in September. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. The one good thing came of that, of the collapse, was David Ross is no longer managing the Cubs. <laughs> and you could have, you literally could have knocked me over with a feather. I could not believe that they did that. I was very happy, happen. but there was no way. I thought he was a made man. With the, I guess it shows that. Um, you know, the Ricketts are like this with... I should have known, remember? They gave uh, they gave Scott Walker $5 million to run for president. Man, just so he could beat Donald Trump. 
And then when he fell out of it, they just gave all their money to Trump. Well, here they were like, David Ross, that's our guy. We love this guy. Wait a minute, Craig Council's available? Well, fine, screw that. Here, Craig, you take our money. Now, where do you sit on this idea that... Um, so, people are taking this... You're not going to spend $8 million a year on a manager and not give him a good team. Or... You think not. Or do you go, hey, we don't have to, we don't have to make the team that much better. We got an $8 million manager. He can make, make all this work shit the work. Brewers payroll, Craig. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if I were running things, I mean, and it isn't my money, but I would side more with the give the the manager, the great manager, more to work yeah. with, rather than making him try to make chicken salad out of yeah. things. I feel uh, like it was it was Judd developed a frustration with the the limitations of his current manager or his manager at the time, and thought. We could give him a better team, and I don't know that he can do any better with it. So maybe we should go. You know, the one thing about you can pay manager whatever you want it doesn't count on your precious um, right. competitive balance tax. Right. And he may have looked at it and said, "Look, let's just do this." Because really, they're paying they're paying eleven and a half million dollars for managers this year. One pay one guy three and a half million to not manage, and it's the best three and a half million they've spent in a long time. But I do. I. I mean, and we've seen at least in the rumors, and maybe the Cubs are just good at generating rumors, and they're not really trying to do anything. But you know, they're rumored in all the right places. They're yeah. still in on Shohei. They're um, they're kicking around, um, you know, Tyler Glass now and Shane Bieber, and because they do, they need another pitcher, and they, you know, you hear them connected in all the right places. They're they're apparently ready to um, dangle some of their precious prospects, and turn them into real bona fide major leaguers. Um, there is a danger though, you, you increase the expectations of your fan base and then if you, none of this stuff happens you know, they get even madder at you than normal. Well they probably think they the Cubs probably think they can handle you. No, I, they, they, know, they know they can. We're dopes. We show up anyway. We complain and we still show up. Um, one of the great developments last year was the Cardinals finished in last place. It was a was one of the, one of the happiest. <laughs> I didn't uh, know that about you that you thought that. And they needed, you know, they they looked at it. They even at the trade deadline, they traded away pitching, and they're like, we got to get more, we got to get more pitching. We're going to trade our pitching. Yeah. We need more pitching. And then they acted right away in free agency, and um, they snapped up. I don't know who they were betting against. But they snapped up Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson right away. <laughs> and then they got Sonny Gray. And you would think, like, if they were super serious about getting back, that, like, Sonny would have been, that one certainly makes sense. It's a good pitcher. It's only a three-year deal. That's a really good deal for them. Yeah. The other two doesn't make any sense. At least not at this point of the offseason. Right. So it was almost like Mosaic was like, well, let's just make sure we get them. These two are cheap. Did he have to make sure? Was there a, how much of a chance was there that he was going to miss? Yeah, them? I mean, Lance was going to be standing in the parking lot the first day of spring training with a, you know, we'll pitch for food, lots of right. food, but I will pitch for food sign, but they snapped him right up. Um, so as a Cub fan, I looked at that and thought, well, I'm glad you fixed your pitching. 
because I got news for you. It looks an awful lot like what you had last year, and you finished in last That's place. Uh, well, you're right that uh, I, I have some speculation about with, with the Sunny Gray contract. It's so backloaded that it might have something to do with uh, the Valley Sports issue yeah. and the the local revenue for TV. So these are let's let's get these mediocre pitchers who I, we're pretty sure will give us 30 starts apiece, and there is some value in yeah. that. Yep. And they're not too expensive, and you know they don't move the needle, but it's better than having really really bad pitchers although if you look at Lynn and and Gibson last year they were among two of the worst yep. starters but yeah. and giving old. them the benefit of the doubt and Gray is backloaded so it gives them it does give them some cost certainty for this year it gives them more room to add to the payroll this year if that's what they're doing I'm not sure if that's what they're doing so it gives them I mean there, there, there are good reasons you know if you look at some side of the analytics that the Cardinals did what they did, but I, like you said, I don't know that they're better than they were 48 hours ago. Mm-hmm. No, I don't see that. No, nope. yet. Yeah, I think it's so. There are 13 teams that either have already or will be affected by the collapse of Diamond Sports, and those are some. Te- there are going to be some players available that otherwise would not be available. You know, and you could the Major League Baseball could tell them, all right, we're going to will cover up to 80% of your broadcast revenue. Well, number one, there's 20% you're not getting. Number two, yeah. you're looking, though, at if Major League Baseball's not doing that forever. They do it for you for a year. And then you got to figure out how to distribute your own games. The, the one thing that's really good for fans is that every time, every time, they've done it twice, but they've said they're going to do this every time. I guess they did it again with the Twins. Every time they absorb um, the TV rights from a team, the blackouts go away. Right, and that's really what Major League Baseball wants. They want blackout free, so you pay. They want to jack the price up on MLB.tv, but you can watch anything. And I would be more than happy to pay extra to be able to see every game instead of. But I, and I live in a spot where the team I follow doesn't fall into the blackout. But there are actually, I'm in a really lucky spot. There's two teams blacked out: the Cardinals and the Brewers. I don't. I wouldn't watch a Cardinal game on the Cardinal Network if you, you know, held a gun to my head. The sun's shining on Andy. Yeah, but still, it would be nice to be able to get the entire product. Um, yeah, and if you might like want to watch one of those games if it mattered to the Cubs pennant race late in the season. I'd have to watch it on mute because I I lived through seven years of chip. I can't do any more. I can't do it. It's a lot of PTSD there. It is. A tremendous amount. Um, but yeah, like if you're the Guardians, you know, I I looked up Cubs need a third baseman. I looked to see how much money Jose Ramirez has left on his deal. $88 million. Man, Tom Ricketts could find that in, his, in an old suit coat, probably. Have Carter call his old buddies at the Guardians and be like, all right, we'll take... And Carter is the one who signed... That's like his, his scouting... The, the thing that made him famous was he Carter Got Hawkins Carter Hawkins found Jose Ramirez that's a good find right. he's a good player um, you know they're talking about they may have to package they may package Emmanuel Class A with Bieber and trade them as a pair to get an even bigger haul and and most of that I mean the Dolans are cheap that has a big thing to do with it but also it's they're they're facing a financial uncertainty that they yeah. they don't like and 
none of these teams have to get rid of anybody. Right. Every one of these owners could could main could could handle a payroll twice what it currently is. But rich people don't like to is, spend money if they don't have to spend it, and they don't want to spend it. The brew, the uh, the Padres have a new owner because the one that spent all the money is no longer with us. So that could be a situation where I don't want to spend this money. Whoever the yeah. I forget the name of the new guy, but and, and that could be why Juan Soto is available and there. The Yankees are not interested because uh, it might cost uh, you know some pitcher that half yeah. nobody's heard of. Right. So uh, Sterling Hitchcock, no, he's from like 25 years ago. But somebody like somebody who will never regret trading. Oh, we can't do that. No. Not for Juan Soto. But I mean, that's why he's available because of this uncertainty. So it is uh, an opportunity for teams like the Cubs to strike. Maybe we'll see that at the meetings. Yeah, so the much maligned marquee sports network that I like to make fun of is not as it's not a great network, but it's cost certainty for the Cubs. They control yeah. their own rights. They sell ads. They keep the money. They distribute it themselves. They make the money. There, it puts them in a much better position than even if they were back in the old Comcast Sportsnet days. We control the revenue. We interview the parents. That's, That's the right. Model. That's right. Well, people, fans can't get enough of that. Uh, so you are a you are a first time Hall of Fame voter this year. I'm a first time Hall of Fame voter. I'm right now. I'm unemployed. Am I unemployed or underemployed? As the commercial goes, I think I'm uh, more under, but I don't have a, an affiliation at the moment. But I've been in the BBA BBW. I can remember it BBWAA since 2013, which means if you've been in it for 10 years, I can uh, you can you get a Hall of Fame vote. So. This is my first. I got the. I got a ballot in the mail from the Hall of Fame with a self-stamped address envelope for 63 cents of postage on it. You can't. Uh, no faxes, no emails, no X-rays. You can't send in smoke signals. You got to mail it back. And I have until the uh, the turn of the year, until New Year's Eve, to do that. So, so it has to be postmarked or it has to be received. It has to be postmarked. Well, you just have to mail on, it on New Year's Eve. On the way. Yep. By midnight, December 31st. Or else Santa Claus bites it. No, or else Joe Maurer bites it. So he's on the the ballot for the first time. He's one of the guys that'll be hopefully uh, getting a chance to vote for here pretty yeah. soon. So it's uh, I take it very seriously, or at least if not, not seriously, earnestly. I don't take a lot of things like too seriously, but I'm honored and all that. You know, all that language. I'm excited. Um, I've you know. One place where I think I have an ego is I think I know about stuff like the Hall of Fame and who belongs and who doesn't. Doggone it, I'm glad I'm one of the people making the decision. I am. Maybe I shouldn't be. There's lots of arguments to take it away from the BBWA uh, or at least to spread it out, spread the love, but uh, I'm excited to have a voice. So you get to vote for for up to 10? Up to 10. Do you think you will vote for 10? Yes. Yeah, so you'll be one of the guys... at the end, instead of worrying to find enough deserving people, you'll be you, you there are, potentially uh, could be yeah. co- conflicted about who you're leaving off. Well, there are a couple people who, on the merit of their stats alone, I think deserve it. But they've got a couple of uh, there's off the field things that have happened, and it isn't necessarily steroids, but I, I've kind of come around on things like domestic violence 
And if, you know, if, if you are credibly accused of that, that is a, a big strike against you, so to speak, in my book. So like Andrew Jones was arrest, arrested uh, in 2013 or something like that for assaulting his wife pretty savagely. Uh, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens aren't on the, the ballot anymore. But if they were, I'd have to make a decision because Bonds, you know, in court, it was either the evidence was entered or he admitted or both that, you know, he would beat his wife in their, in their divorce proceedings. It came out. Roger Clemens, of course, is associated with Mindy McCready, the, the country star who's yeah. no longer alive, who uh, alleged that he was involved in like a grooming relationship and kind of left her in a worse place. And, uh, you know, when she was a teenager, kind of despicable things. So it's, uh, you know, I've always wanted a Hall of Fame vote, and now it's like it comes down to some of these awful yeah. crimes, really, that these some of these guys have committed. And, you know, do, do I really want it now? I, I'm kind of asking myself when the questions are not, you know, what's the guy's war, but, uh, you know, what's is he a domestic abuser? It's a, it's definitely a, an adult subject. It's yeah. not the, the toy shop anymore when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's something that the, in the glory days of baseball, they never had to deal with because even if writers knew about it, nobody reported it. So you could, you know, there was I mean, no you backlash. Could argue that the, in, uh, when, the, when the baseball writers started to vote for the Hall of Fame in the 30s and 40s, like people accepted wife beating. If, yeah. if you were, you know, not that you were supposed to do it, but it was not. I mean, you know, I think in some ways we've come a long way in this country. I mean, it's taken a while, but yeah. Um, but still, I feel strongly enough about the topic that it's, uh, you know, society isn't standing up up enough for um, domestic violence victims, and you know, why celebrate? A terrible person if you don't have to. You know, if yep. he gets in the Hall of Fame, whatever, but it's not going to be on my vote. Right, and there's that whole thing about the, the worst argument in this. Well, I mean, with Pete Rose, people are like, "How oh, you can't tell the, the you can't tell the story of baseball without Pete Rose." Well, you know what? If you go to the Hall of Fame, there's Pete Rose shit everywhere in there because right. it's in the museum. It's not actually in the Hall of Fame, so he doesn't need to be in the Hall. You can't go to the Hall of Fame and take the tour and not realize that this dude with the world's worst haircut got all oh, got 4,192 hits, however many ended up with. You will know that. So you really can. You're not. Um, <clears throat> you're not hiding a player's legacy by not putting him in the Hall of Fame. We don't need to have uh, statues of Civil War generals downtown. It's not erasing them from history. It's right. a, you know, have, that, those people having statues is uh, a reward. It's uh, it's an honoring. It's uh, and it's one it's one that they, they don't deserve. And that's it's kind of the same thing. It's uh, you're not necessarily erasing them from history books, but you're not lauding them. You know, Pete Rose, terrible person. Yep. You know, off the field. And there's there's evidence that he actually bet or indirectly bet on the Reds to lose. You know, wouldn't bet on them when he didn't think they right. were going to win. Exactly. He was a player even. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things that baseball has kind of kept out of, of being too public that uh, you know, if Pete Rose kind of changed his life and mended his ways and apologized for 
putting himself in the game in the position that he did. Well, maybe they let him in at some point, and he's never really changed. No. And uh, it's very likely that the things that Pete Rose has done within the game and without the game uh, would uh, would horrify any right-thinking person. So I, I don't care for one second that he's not in the Hall of Fame. He, he shouldn't be in the way things are right now. Is Sammy no still on the ballot? Sammy's not on the ballot. Oh, that's bad. I was going to ask you how you feel about uh, guys losing $80,000 wrapped in a towel in a hotel lobby. <laughs> Whether that'll keep you off or not. Um, how Who votes on, like, the Ford C. Frick Award? That's a different, that like, a, a panel of other broadcasters? Award, um, writers? That is, like, a panel of people who are in that business, like other announcers. And it's a it's a committee. The Hall of Fame names a committee of... There might be like one or two media people. There might be some old-timers. There might be some uh, people who have won the award before. There might be a couple people who are announcers. And they, they sort of can feel this mass together. And those are the people that vote on that. So it's, it's not unlike the veterans committees who vote on the Hall of Fame uh, candidates that the writers missed or didn't put in or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, Lou Pinella was, wasn't up for the Fort Frick Award, but he, he missed, did you say by one vote? By one vote for the second year in a row. The second year in a row. Obvious, I mean, you know, Lou, Lou Pinella was as good of a, well, he's about as good of a manager as Jim Leland. Yeah. You know, Jim won the World Series, but uh, they're in the same ballpark. And well, Lou won it. He won it with the Reds. That's true. 1990, yeah. So I don't know what the deal. I don't know why. I don't know why Jim Leland looks better on a ballot than Lou Pinella. It doesn't... Uh, I think Lou did a good... I don't know how good he was at broadcasting, but him getting into <laughs> broadcasting and um, being there and showing his face, I think probably was kind of to like push himself toward the Hall of Fame a little bit to be uh, out there for people and uh, I, I I wish they had voted him in because he deserves it as much as Lee. Yeah. yeah, Lou's one of my he's one of my all time favorites and so I was I, it, to me it's I don't that committee should be voting in more than one person at a time. You, know, you looked at they that get, ballot and there were you looked at it, you could have made a case for five or six guys. And the fact that only one gets in is ridiculous. What are we being so selective for? because that's how it used to be? Well, screw it. People, change it. People are under the impression that, the, that there are too many people in the Hall of Fame, and I, I guess that's true, but if that happened, it happened a long time ago, like 80 years ago, yeah. when old-timers committees put their buddies in, uh, you know, from the Giants and the Cardinals, and there's famous cases about that. Lots of people have written about it. But, you know, if the, if the Hall of Fame is, is too big, it, it, was, it was too big too long ago, and you know, it doesn't make sense to not keep putting people in at some rate. But you know, everybody thinks that there's there's too many players. And it's, it's not so, and it's the same with these committees. They don't they don't want to be looked at as being charitable. I think I think that's what it is. Yeah. Well, one guy in, that's enough. But you know, when you're in your 80s or whatever, time is running out. It wouldn't hurt to put two or three of them in, especially no. when five or six, like you said, make a good case for it. I don't know what Joe West's case is for the Hall of Fame. Uh, It'd be funny to have him in the Hall of Fame and speech and all that. Maybe he'd sing some country tunes. Oh, I'm sure he would. He'd be selling 
selling CDs on stage while he's yes. There's a merch tent right over there while I'm talking. That's great, Joe. Right. He's a good actor in Naked Gun. He was one of the umpires <laughs> in Naked Gun. I always. That's his best performance as an umpire, I think. Uh, it's to me, it's it's fine. The Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame, and uh, Lou Pinnell's not because that's uh, wait what? I'm I did like it was nice for White Sox fans. You know, Nellie Fox was the worst player in the Hall of Fame for a long time, and then it became Harold. So at least they kept it in the family. I think Aparicio might have been worse than Nellie Fox. I'm not sure. Yeah, that'll work too. But I guess your point is taken. Uh, and then the last thing, uh, did you see that? Uh, speaking of the Hall of Fame, Andre Dawson wrote a letter to the Hall. Wants his wants his logo changed from the Expos to the Cubs on his plaque. I don't think his was self stamp addressed uh, either. I think that was his own postage that he used. Yeah. Uh, where was this? Uh, did he just feel overpowered back in '99? Uh, was it? Um, whenever he was elected, I, I don't I, I don't remember the backstory on that. I remember thinking he was going to go in with the Cubs and being surprised it was the Expos. But now they're going to get uh, Jack Hammer out and yep. it's his plaque and uh, and put a cub on there. He's sure. just going to he's just going to do it. He's just going to show up. I told him I said I've got a Dremel. I'll drive out there. I'll pay twenty eight bucks. <laughs> I'll fix it for you. The doctors use these on my knees. I mean, it bone may... rubbing <laughs> oh bone. God, that's right. I mean, it may... he played eleven years for the Expos and six for the Cubs. I'm sure that was the thing. But and you know, he felt like. I think he feels like if he never went to the Cubs, he would have never got the Hall of Fame. Like he needed, he not only needed the is a he wouldn't have compiled some of those stats because he needed to get off the turf. Yeah. But um, also just the, you know, Montreal talk about being kind of you know Shohei being a myth playing in Anaheim. Right. You know, go play in another That's country. The real? Yeah. Um, and and like he said, he goes, I got a there's a low there, I have a team on my head that's not a team anymore. Could you switch to one of the teams that's still around? It doesn't seem like that big of a request. It doesn't seem like that big of a request. It also seems like if I'm in the hall, there's no way in hell I do that. Because the last thing you want then is you're going to have a line out the door. Oh, People are pissed about which logo's on their hat. So right. I'm sure they would very politely listen to him and then thank him and tell him to go back to the cremating or whatever that you know he does as a funeral director. I would not be surprised that that is the result of this, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we will uh, we'll have to see what happens at the uh, at the winter meetings and beyond, and then I don't know, we can check back in with you, and you could tell us what it all means. Sure, that's what I do best, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, okay, bye. Thanks. Many of us have herpes. This fitting has got to be done with one of the best games of all time. Just unbelievable. Got to congratulate the uh, the Dolan family. 